Indigo cities could feed more than 2 billion people at the end of the century. If you want to be successful, you need to make people dream. The indigo civilization is, yeah, what could be cities on the water, on the seas and the oceans? France gets the second world's maritime domain in terms of size and the first submarine one. I realized that we had very diversified waters. I mean, from uh, Brittany to the Mediterranean Sea to uh, Caribbean, Indian Ocean, Polynesia, saint pierre et in the North Atlantic, etc. Because what you will achieve uh, probably in the future in the Gulf of Mexico could be also interesting for the whole project. It's like a good wine. You don't make a good wine in six months. It takes time. To this uh, finally surprising belief that it is possible to live on the sea in a great way. This is what I want to, uh, to, to, to click, to make it acceptable and I would say sexy, like Jules Verne did with me uh, when I was a child. Welcome to the Blue Economy Primer, a New Orleans-based podcast where you learn from the experts, the practical tools and solution sets that will empower your community to adapt and thrive in a new blue era of rising seas and economic discontinuity. In today's episode, we are speaking with Frederick Pons, a French humanist and visionary who has dedicated his life to conceiving of a future characterized by a more harmonious relationship between humanity and our planet's fragile aquatic ecosystems. His philanthropic research and foundation is, in part, inspired by the work of the International Seasteading Institute, seeking to inform and empower a growing global community of seasteaders with clear tool sets and methods for communicating the interplay between the scientific, cultural, and logistic components of how regenerative water-based communities can survive and thrive in a world facing dramatic climatic and geographic transformation. Thank you so much for joining us on the Blue Economy Primer. The the work that you're doing is really, really interesting to us at Deep Blue Institute. And after hearing about you through the Seasteading Institute, I was really interested to learn more about the, the Indigo Civilization Project and where it's at and what you're doing and all that. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I'm French. I live in uh, at Brussels in Belgium. I left Paris, it was too too crowded. Um, I'm 49 and uh, let's say my uh, professional background is uh, relates to marketing, especially in uh, within uh, sports, luxury and uh, digital uh, technologies. So nothing uh, relating directly to the ocean. Let's say that a year ago I had uh, different companies and I, I closed one because, uh, well, times are pretty tough with the pandemic. And um, during this period, I was wondering, uh, okay, uh, what's next? And you know, uh, a few years ago, I almost died uh, of, a, of a disease, which is a, which is fixed now. But, uh, and uh, I was wondering a year ago, why does the universe save me? And then uh, I decided to give more sense to my end of life. There was a, a question with my with my uh, my wife, especially uh, about the fact: should we earn more money, or should we do uh, something uh, which is in accordance with uh, our beliefs or values, and so on? So I had that luxury because this is a kind of luxury to make that choice. 
And last March, I made a kind of uh, coaching with, uh, with still my wife, which is my, with my best coach, actually. I made uh, an exercise thanks to which uh, I defined potential topics on which I would like to work. And, uh, and this topic, I mean, the Indigo Civilization, its uh, genesis comes from my childhood. Indeed, I, um, I was born at Paris, but I used to live in the in the south of France on the Mediterranean coast during uh, five six years, and uh, let's say that the, the beach was my like my garden. Okay, so I um, I had that natural connection with the ocean because I grew up nearby the water. So when I was a child, I was fond of uh, the books of Cousteau and also uh, from Jules Verne's especially 20,000 uh, Leagues Under the Sea, which is an English title, as far as I know. And it, it's it's still my favorite book uh, in my life. I remember when I was eight, I woke up uh, before getting to school and uh, I, I read it. Um, so it was very fascinating for me. And I thought that this uh, uh, Captain Nemo was uh, really clever. And so, well, I, I grew up in there and then I had my uh, professional career. And during this, this uh, introspective phase, I thought, yes, this is really something in which I still believe. And, uh, and you know, my wife told me to be, to be crystal clear, Frederick, you should take care because normally you are a humanist, a philanthropist, and uh, you're becoming the opposite. You may become an asshole. <laughs> so uh, there is a, an emergency for you to, to do something uh, in accordance with your own value. And this is how it started. And then very quickly, I contacted the Seasteading Institute because this is an organization I, I, I followed uh, for five, six years. Probably when they, they had that project with French Polynesia, it was a bit mediatized in France uh, at the time I, I lived there. And so I knew uh, I knew them by this way, I guess. And then uh, I thought, okay, this project is very interesting. Or should I get involved or should I be useful? I don't want to create a new thing. Well, that was my belief at that time. So I contacted uh, them to become a, an ambassador for them in Europe. And so I discussed with the with them, and uh, and I remember I asked one of their teammates, "Do you have a marketing documents that summarize uh, what you have in mind?" Okay, uh, I read the Joe Kirk's book, which is very very interesting. But this is a book, I mean, uh, something more detailed for my European contacts. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm a marketer, so it's for me natural to get uh, easy to read things and uh, synthetic. Uh, they answered me, actually, not so, not so much. Uh, and so I started writing something by my own with the inspiration, of course, of the book from uh, the Joe's book and also... Um, from very, very various uh, sources uh, in France, in Europe, in uh, in Asia, etc. I started contacting people because really this is a topic that it's it's driven by passion. So you, I, I really wanted to to learn every day something, and uh, so from the vision of the CSTD Institute, finally I fine tune uh, day by day mine, uh, which is not so far away, but which is a. Uh, dedicated actually to my own country, which is France, because, uh, you know, in France, first of all, I love my country because uh, we have a wonderful history, a wonderful culture, etc. And uh, 
unfortunately by now um, we this country suffers a lot from uh, many shitty things uh, like many others i would say but uh, and i want to support also uh, to to be useful also to my country and then i investigated and i realized that france gets the second um, world's maritime domain in terms of size and the first submarine one Wow, I wasn't aware of that. And, and so I said, yeah, this is very interesting for such a small country. How could it be? And then I investigated. Yeah, we have many, many islands. And on top of that, uh, I realized that we had uh, very diversified waters. I mean, from uh, Brittany to the Mediterranean uh, Sea to uh, Caribbean, Indian Ocean, Polynesia, saint pierre et Miquelon in the North Atlantic, etc. So a lot, a lot of configuration that are very interesting to investigate. And so the first discussions with other people than the, the guys of the Sinsteading Institute were in the Netherlands, actually. I met Rutger de Graaf, and uh, I went to uh, Delft, near, nearby Rotterdam, to introduce my, uh, my vision, my document, and to have an exchange with a, a very uh, skilled specialist. And he told me, yes, this is really great what you have achieved because this is more than a scientific approach. It's also philosophical. So I went back at home with a lot of energy, as you can guess. And then I, I went on like that, contacted people from, uh, well, like throwing bottles in the sea. And finally, uh, a month later, I was invited at the headquarters of the CNRS. CNRS is a... Uh, the second world's uh, largest scientific organization and the first in Europe. And so, uh, you know, they created uh, one or two years ago uh, a foundation that can shelter other foundations. But when I, I contacted them, I had absolutely no idea about creating a foundation or anything. Just I was contacted people to have uh, exchanges. And so I was invited and they told me, yeah, Frederick, this is very, very interesting what you propose. And this is uh, relevant and consistent to our guidelines. So, I mean, in terms of general interest, in terms of uh, the scientific uh, perspective and, uh, well, this is, uh, this is really great. But you alone, you are nobody. And uh, do, what, do, what do you intend to do with that? And while I was discussing with these guys, I realized that, well, okay, this is okay. Uh, uh, what I'm doing is, is good, but what should I do with that? And then I was wondering about the potential next steps. And finally, I decided to create a foundation, a sheltered foundation under the edges of the CNRS Foundation. Because I thought for such a project, which is very avant-garde, you need to keep your independence of thinking. You need to go on without any dogmas. Uh, if you start working directly with uh, private companies from the energy side, from the aquaculture field, from architects, etc., naturally they will try to put what they have into the box. And I don't want that. I want to create the foundations of this project. So for, for me, the indigo civilization is split in, uh, in three phases. The first one is a philanthropic phase driven by this foundation. And it is supposed to uh, define, to modelize yeah, what could be cities on the water, on the seas and the oceans. But with an holistic vision, I mean, not only architecture, not only energy, not only food, not only transportation, but all this part of a puzzle, how do we combine it to get a wonderful picture?
Finally, I realized that there are so many, many solutions uh, available or, already. But um, in science, I also realized that uh, scientific people work in their own field, but in silos. And they don't, uh, they, okay, they talk a lot about interdisciplinarity. So in reality, this is not the case. And the purpose of this foundation is without dogma to think about all these numerous parameters and to prototype it in a, uh, in a small scale. Then the second phase would require more means, and uh, it would be a private-public consortium to prototype the designs, I would say, uh, but in waters, in the French waters. And then the idea is to prototype, to test, to make mistakes, to, to amend, to make mistakes, to amend, to make other mistakes, and so on. And then the third phase is a global deployments, of course, using the, all the private investment and private companies. But the idea is to create an expertise in France based on this uh, huge resource, uh, which is uh, its seed domain, and then to work it, to uh, fine-tune it in order to deploy it and to serve the whole world, to make it global for the small island states in the uh, Pacific Ocean, for uh, Ohon Islands in France, but for many, many, many countries, actually, because we have the intellectual capacity, we have the playground, and it would be a waste otherwise to not achieve uh, such kind of project uh, in our country. So yeah, it's French driven, but of course, there are other guys already. We are, uh, so the foundation is not set already because I want to create, it's like uh, creating a movie, you need when when you want to create a movie, you need a great uh, synopsis, a great story. So I think we have it. You need the right actors, and then when you have the right story and the right actors, you can find the right producers, meaning the right the guys with the money. And more you have money, more you can uh, achieve different things. And uh, so the foundation will be, will be uh, the, the target is to open it mid of uh, 2023 and to start the research phase uh, from, uh, from that uh, during uh, three years already. So we are uh, five future co-founders, including Rutger de Graaf, plus uh, four other guys. Uh, one is um, French-Japanese, uh, the others are French, but very specialized in uh, ocean matters, economy, uh, technical solutions, energy, food, uh, transportation, uh, logistics, etc., etc. So it's a long story. For me, it's like a crusade. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I will see the result uh, before my death, but well, we'll see. But uh, I mean, it's, this is also a philosophical and a scientific project. And uh, for me, uh, there are many, many sources of solutions to, um, to the next challenges and stakes of the world. That is really amazing. Your story and your inspiration and your life-changing experience is really inspirational in terms of how you arrived at this priority and this project. You'll be interested to know that Rutger will be one of the next guests on the podcast. I was actually on the founding team with Blue Frontiers that came to Tahiti. The reason I was asked to be on the initial Seasteading Institute team and then part of the Blue Frontiers founders was to articulate the message to the president of French Polynesia and his cabinet about what the opportunities and benefits were with the blue economy 
with the development of these regenerative marine infrastructure technologies, how this could offer opportunities to young Polynesians with technical backgrounds that were staying in Europe and not returning because there were not opportunities beyond cleaning toilets at five-star hotels. My inspiration coming from public-private partnerships for green, clean, and smart cities, and then learning about seasteading and blue economy and blue technology, and of course, the overlap between those regenerative or sustainable technologies, is when I really shifted over to less of the political and to a certain extent, the philosophical side, but certainly less of the political and uh, economic system side of the seasteading movement and more to the fundamental infrastructure and technologies, which practically speaking need to exist and predate any true ocean-based community. And French yeah, yeah. Polynesia was a good example where we, we had to make a commitment to having a net positive impact on the ocean ecosystem in order to be considered for the project to start with. I'll remind our listeners that all of your materials will be available with links any other and any other links that you want to include on a webpage. During the pandemic, when after I had formed Deep Blue Institute, I decided to move back to my hometown of Nouvelle-Orient. And uh, certainly this is an area of the country and the Gulf Coast that is in desperate need uh, and really needs to be focusing on these things. So similar to your vision for France, our vision at Deep Blue Institute and now Deep Blue Academy is how can we create the economic systems and the technology development pipelines from early stage through exponential scaling, which needs to happen in the case of these these uh, technologies, particularly related to carbon sequestration and uh, algae bloom control and all those sorts of things and, co and coastal resilience. How can we create a center of excellence and a global source of these solution sets using the Gulf Coast as a living laboratory for the development of these technologies? Why I wish to create this foundation is also to be free of uh, to think, but also to take care to not duplicate the uh, numerous mistakes of the men on Earth, on, on the land, I mean. This is very important. Otherwise, it would be just another failure of the humanity. So um... Agreed, agreed. So the phases and all that you talked about, the three categories, three, three, three. Is that what you talked about before or is that different? No, at the beginning, I was talking about three uh, phases, uh, macro right. phases. First one is the research and innovation phase. The second one is the prototyping, uh, in situ, prototyping. And then the third phase, uh, which will happen in the base case, 2033, 2035 will be a more global deployment, okay, with people truly living on, a, on, the, on the waters. If you make a, a kind of extrapolation at the end of the century, consider that there is a, a true deployment with a, a, a growing maturity of this way of living, uh, these technologies and so on. And if you take also into consideration how many people are fed by a, an agriculture in France, you manage to, to get... A very interesting insight, which is indigo citizens could feed more than 2 billion people at the end of the century. So it's very, uh, very interesting. And you, you can easily understand all the potential of uh, such a 
an analysis and research. Do you have some favorite statistics or milestones or benchmarks in terms of what the potential is, what the problems are, what the potential is? So the potential, there are a lot. And the problems, the issues, I will start with the, the population. By 2050, humanity and the whole earth will, uh, will face critical issues, especially uh, as the world population will grow by 26% compared to, to now. And so uh, the need for accommodation would increase accordingly. In addition, uh, 50% of this population will be concentrated within 100 kilometers of the coast. And so there will be definitely a, a scarcity of space. And in addition to that, between 3 million and 1 billion people would see their terrestrial environment flooded. And then we will have also, and on the, op on the opposite, we will have also a scarcity of fresh water. According to the IPPC, 50% uh, of humans would suffer from chronic water stress. Another statistic from Blue 21, so from uh, Rutger, 22 million kilometer square of additional arable land would be needed to feed the population in 2050. And uh, this is about the size of North America. So the pollution, the energy supply, the need would uh, increase by uh, 68%. Well, a lot of things like that creates collateral threats. Migrations first, famine, malnutrition, and then potentially wars and conflicts, disease, etc., etc. So it's a kind of vicious circle. You know, this is a very interesting because this morning I read a, a news about the French Ministry of Environment, and it stated that finally, during years, we considered that the targets uh, given by uh, the UN would be respected. I mean, a growth of 1.5 degrees. And finally, um, they realize now that the more realistic forecast would be plus 4 degrees, which is not the same story at all. So there is no an emergency to uh, speed up thinking about new solutions because there are millions of people uh, shouting and uh, launching alerts everywhere, but very, very few giving opportunities of uh, or solutions for to, to achieve great things it's like a good wine you don't make a good wine in six months it takes time and uh yes it's a kind of empiric uh, uh, process and uh well this is what i try to achieve but very i'm very humble because uh and i'm very uh proud i would say not of my work but very proud to be joined uh, to please uh, experts and scientists Wow, for, for me, this is a very great achievement. I, I hope I will manage to go uh, far, far beyond. But uh, already, this is something I'm really surprised about this global evaluation. One of the key concepts that we think about at Deep Blue Institute and Academy is innovation ecosystems. As you talk about what are the ecosystem of ideas and support that can facilitate these final solution sets, is that sort of ecosystem approach part of the Indigo Civilization Project as well? Yes, indeed. And I would say that also, we, as I'm listening to you, uh, I think that maybe one day it could be very interesting to share uh, our learnings because what you will achieve uh, probably in the future in the Gulf of Mexico could be also interesting for for the whole project. I mean, uh, my project, my vision is called uh, the Indigo Civilization. I don't put the name Ocean of Seas uh, in the title, but on purpose, because for me, this is more 
or do we think in another way to live in harmony with the nature in a sustainable way, but always with featuring a progress for humanity? Because I, I'm sure one thing, I'm sure really one thing, the humanity won't accept to a regression. I don't believe in that at all. And for me to solve such kind of issues requires also to sell a progress to humanity. Otherwise, it will never happen. People will never forget their comfort to have a hot water at home, their mobile phone, the connection, full-time connection, etc. So for me, yeah, how do we make the whole world move forward and progress? This is but it cannot be what the politics try to 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 tell us. So the UN, yeah, we need to to consume less, etc. Of course, we need to consume less. There is a new paradigm to think, but okay, we consume less, but on the other side, we earn new things. And this, uh, this is something that has to be fought. Otherwise, and this is very important that this project is fought with a, a humanist uh, point of view and not only uh, a profit point of view. This is why I start with a foundation. In your vision for the Indigo Civilization, do you see particular opportunities for globally underserved populations and developing economies? Of course. Actually, you know, I said before, I love my country. And uh, I don't know if this is the right uh, words in English, but in the past, we called France the country of the lights a few centuries ago, and a cent- uh, which means a philosophy of progress, of humanism. The age of the Enlightenment came out of France. This is probably the, the right word. And I, I think about this, and, uh, you know, in France, we are lucky because we are pretty rich. Okay, one of the richest countries uh, in the world. We are in peace. We have uh, tens of thousands of scientists. We have a, a wonderful playground. And so, yes, this is an opportunity for the country to raise a kind of national ambition. You know, this is what I, I regret when I, when I, actually, I listen to the news less and less because I'm fed up. Because for me, the, the governments are playing with uh, uh, fine-tuning a few parameters, but finally, there is no true great ambition. You know what I mean? And I learned I, I learned one thing from my marketing background. If you want to be successful, you, you need to make people dream. To make people dream, it doesn't mean that you have to, 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 to fool people, but you have to make them dream, to give enthusiasm, to, yeah, energy the positive energy and then it works and we see that unfortunately the last the, the time when I, I i i see that is during the football world cup or things like that but this is uh, you see what i mean you see what i mean and then you see this national ambition uh, i don't know in the u.s what it would be maybe for the, the basketball i don't know but and and, and when the, the cup is over it falls down. This national ambition, yes, to answer your question, in my opinion, it should serve the whole world. I mean, uh, and uh, I was talking about the uh, small island states. I mean, this is a, a first uh, obvious target, but also uh, many countries in Asia. Uh, one of my co-founders, he lives in uh, Singapore. And uh, over there, there are, of course, uh, much concern about the, the, the rise of the sea level, for instance. Really, there is a, a philanthropic idea behind that, meaning that we need now to, to invent also a new paradigm about what value means. Now, 
it means money. Even though if you meet people during a dinner you or a party, I don't know, and you introduce yourself and you, your value is defined according to your position in the society, your job or your the, the, the level of income you have or your car, or, you know, it's still like that. And actually, it, this is wrong and it doesn't work like that into the nature. The value of animals is defined completely in a different way. And I, I know this, this is more an utopia, to be honest, but let's say in a few centuries, maybe it will happen, okay? It's a long, long process. But the indigo civilization means also features, values, uh, such as courage, uh, boldness, and open-mindedness. This is why uh, I call it like that. So yeah, it's a, a new way also, a new behavior in the world. But in that sense, in that perspective, this project is supposed to serve all the living beings in the world. Not only the human, by the way. For me, it's like a, in, a, in a team, uh, the union creates the strengths. I'm self-identifying or identifying who are the people like ourselves around this very tiny planet yeah. that we need to work together and to align these philosophies and these technologies yeah, yeah. and the scaling of these technologies. Because certainly what I talk about is all of the basic technologies that we need to realize the indigo civilization, they exist. Yeah. They're just it, not scaled. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of things exist already. So it's like a puzzle, you know. You have a lot, a lot of uh, parts everywhere, but how do you combine it to make it beautiful and harmonious? This is it. And this is what I, this is my great skill to have uh, the capacity to combine different things that are not supposed to 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 fit together but to imagine a new a new solution this is and um yeah and afterward i i'm not an exp i'm not a scientist i'm not an expert and uh i don't have any big legitimacy in, uh, regarding oceans uh matters and things like that but i don't care i mean i'm passionate and uh i give what i have for my energy I and mean, i give it for free by the way my energy, my uh, belief, my faith. For me, this is wonderful because I learn and I meet new kinds of people like you, for instance. And um, and yeah, this is very fresh. And uh, and you know, when you are stuck into the business, uh, finally you become cynical and uh, uh, the margins, the profit, the figures, etc., etc. And you, you, yeah, I don't want to become like that. The aspect of this that I really enjoy. And I think I have some particular insight into is how do these systems fit together in systems of systems and how do we create solution sets yeah. to deal with the very complex mix yeah. of problems that are environmental and social and political yeah. and financial and all that, that we need in order to realize something like the Indigo civilization. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a toolbox, you mean, available to, to anyone. A kind of uh, open innovation uh, afterwards, and then uh, yeah, on, uh, it would be great to be at the starting point of this uh, to, to to this uh, finally surprising belief that it is possible to live on the sea in a great way. This is what I want to uh, to 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 click to make it acceptable and uh, and I would say sexy even. Uh, of course, absolutely, it's, uh, it's a tough environment. It's scary because we don't know. We are always afraid of what we don't know. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm fond of uh, mountaineering in the Alps, especially. 
And I see great achievements in terms of infrastructures on top of big. This is crazy what the man is uh, capable to do. And uh, if you consider also uh, what we are capable to do on the investments which are made to, to go in space, I mean, this is also a wonderful thing. So the human is, uh, humanity is capable from the best and the worst, I would say. The things that we talk about at Deep Blue Institute and now particularly with the academy as it relates to education, yeah. is the philosophical change that you talk about. So working with all generations yeah. and you know K through 12, as well as university and vocational schools, and thinking about reshaping a society that in the coming decades in these regions like the Gulf Coast will be future generations that are growing up mm. with a philosophy and a mindset that their relationship with the ocean, ideas of living on the water, of aquaculture and mariculture, and realizing the food harvesting opportunities that, that you're talking about while also cleaning the ocean and solving problems like the algae blooms, that all of those things become fundamentally second nature and an internal part of the way they interact with the world in a regenerative manner. Yeah, to, to break the barriers, exactly, to, 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 to be capable to go beyond the frontier uh, given by our society, nowadays society. Yes, yes, yeah. yes this is also something I, I wish to develop, the relationship with uh, engineering school, but not only, uh, why not also... Uh, uh, sociological schools or to yeah to 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 give the idea to make it inception like uh, Jules Verne did with me uh, when I was a child at the beginning I wasn't convinced but oh, finally eventually yeah this is cool mm -hmm. you, you see what I mean absolutely and but this is a transversal a transversal uh, discipline so I get your point and this is a uh, yeah this is a uh, ambitious but clever but you know. Uh, it's a long process, so I'm moving step by step. Well, am ambitious but clever, I think, is one way to, to summarize one of the ways to move forward on these sorts of big global yeah, ideas. Yes, <laughs> Frederick, thank you so much for joining us on the Blue Economy Primer. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and I'll certainly look forward to continuing the conversation and finding ways that we can collaborate and support each other's work. Of course, it will be a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was a, a great pleasure for me to have this chat. Thank you for joining us on the Blue Economy Primer. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Please help us spread the word and be sure to visit our website at www.deepblue.academy, where you can find all of our available episodes, access important links and supporting information for each episode, send us your comments and or suggestions for potential guests and topics, get more information about our community engagement initiatives, and join our mailing list as well as make a much-appreciated tax-deductible donation to support our nonprofit education and research mission. Thanks again to the Dan Lucas Memorial Foundation and the Pontchartrain Conservancy for their critical financial and institutional support. Until next time, when we meet again on the ever-expanding horizon of the blue economy. <laughs>